I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, if we learned anything this last year, it's that building health and immunity is more important than ever, and that all begins with what you put on your plate. Belcampo is on a mission to revolutionize the meat industry for the well-being of people, the planet, and animals by farming meat the right way with certified humane, regenerative, and climate-positive practices, which means it's better for you, the planet, and the animals. That's a trifecta that I'm proud to be a part of, and right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can have Belcampo sustainably raised meats delivered right to your door using my promo code FATHERHOOD at belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood and get 20% off your first order. Go visit belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout and save 20% off your first order at Belcampo. Welcome, everybody, to episode 439 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest to bring you guys today. Comedian Maz Jabrani is here with me. He's got a brand new comedy special that just dropped yesterday. It's available right now called Pandemic Warrior. You can stream it on Peacock TV. Maz has got a hilarious way of incorporating his Iranian heritage and his family right into his comedy routines. Some of his comedy stand-up specials include The Access of Evil, Brown and Friendly, I Come in Peace, I'm Not a Terrorist, But I Play One on TV, and Immigrant. Immigrant is available to stream right now on Netflix, so if you guys are in the mood for a good laugh, he does not disappoint. It's so cool to have him here with me on the podcast today. Maz Jabrani will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Maz Jabrani was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the comedian and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Okay, and if you guys do enjoy my interviews with comedians, I advise you to go check out my episodes with Roy Wood Jr., Paul Shear, Joel McHale, Josh Wolf, Brendan Schaub, and a few others that are all available right now in the archives of the podcast to listen to at your convenience. All right, and don't miss my latest episodes, which have really been on fire, including my interview with Academy Award-winning actor Matthew McConaughey in episode 437 and WWE superstar AJ Styles on 438. Available right now. Go check them out. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out all the upcoming guest announcements. If you guys are enjoying the show, please do me a favor and give me a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify. That really goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with comedian Maz Jabrani. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Maz Jabrani. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Doing well. Let, let's start it like this here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? So my son is 12 and my daughter just turned 10 on January 17th. And we got a dog, so I don't know if dogs count, but we just got a new dog. <laughs> what, what, what kind of um, uh, sports or activities are the kids into? Um, they both play tennis and then my son plays soccer and my uh, daughter does golf as well. And then, and then my son loves Dungeons and Dragons and my daughter loves dancing 
uh, anything music related. Okay, yeah, I got a, a D&D guy over here myself, my oldest. I got four kids myself. My oldest is into the Dungeons & Dragons, too, so uh, I understand. How old is he? How, how old is your, uh, is your oldest? He's 14. My, my, mine are 14, 13, uh, 10, and 6. Listen, man, I was asking him. I don't know if you have, if you have any insight into this, but I asked him the other day because I'm all about supporting their, their passions. And I said, I said, let me ask you a question. Like all this time you're putting in a D&D, like it, down the line, what does it, what benefits do you get from it? And I, I'm guessing part of it is they get to use their imaginations. So I said, maybe it'll help you in cre- being creative in the future. But I'm just curious, is D&D a total waste of time or are they getting something out of it? You know, I, I think just like you said there, it's imagine my question is the same thing. They spend, they dedicate a lot of time towards it. It almost reminds me of like my, my middle guy is obsessed with the Minecraft. And I think that's just about as mindless or senseless as uh, anything else. So um, I think hopefully it's just about them using their creativity and, and, and there's a lot worse things they could be doing. So true. Um, true. It's not, it's not bad. Uh, all right, Maz, if you could, please just take a second here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Uh, yeah, man. I am a stand-up comedian and an actor. Uh, I've been doing comedy now for, uh, boy, about 22 years. Uh, I got a special on Netflix. Uh, it's called Immigrant. Uh, people can watch it. And then I got a new one coming out on, um, on the Peacock Network, which is the uh, NBC streamer. That one's called Pandemic Warrior. So I got a ton of stand-up. I'm on social media. People can find me at YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all at Maz Jobrani. And the kind of stuff I talk about in my stand-up, I always say that people go, what do you, what do you talk about in your stand-up? I say, I say I take on uh, social issues, political issues, and my kids. So if you come to my show, you're going to see me do a lot of kid material, but you also see some political stuff. And, and one of the things I got to tell you, Alec, this past four years, I've seen a heightened energy in the comedy clubs in terms of people being sensitive to political jokes. And I just keep reminding people, I go, whether it's Trump or Biden or Obama or whoever the, the president is, the point of America is that we should make fun of our leaders. That's a big re- part of democracy is that we can do that. You know, in any other country, if the late night talk show hosts were making fun of their president, the show would end the next day. So it's been an interesting four years, man. And um and I just keep going. I keep going. I keep doing my thing. And people probably know me from different movies and TV shows. I'm, I'm probably one of those guys where they'll be like, oh, I know that guy. Like if they ever saw uh, Ice Cube's Friday After Next, which was the third Friday, I played a character named Moly in that. I was in Curb Your Enthusiasm. I've been in a lot of stuff. So I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place. Yeah, I, I've seen your uh, your stand-ups. I, I think they're, uh, they're terrific. And, and I'll say, you know, the, the pandemic that you mentioned there, obviously it's affected everybody. How did you kind of have to pivot or how did that kind of affect your career at the height of when this thing all started going down? Well, it's interesting, as you said, so this new special is coming out. I actually filmed the special in December of 2019 in Dubai. And I thought, okay, this is great. I got the special filmed. I've got dates on my books for 2020 to tour. This is going to be great. And I thought I'd come home in early 2020 and sell the special and we'd be good to go and it would air. Well, obviously the pandemic hit, lockdown hit, and the special just kind of stayed with us. We weren't able to like get it out in time. And meanwhile, stand-up comedy became um, uh, Zoom comedy. You know, you'd be doing comedy on Zoom, which at first, at first it felt weird. 
But then you realize, okay, it's kind of like an audience because you see the audience, you see their homes, you can do some crowd work. If you unmute like 10 people on a show, you could hear them laugh. So that actually helped. Um, and I also have been doing my podcast, Back to School with Maz Jobrani, which is I just bring on different people that I find interesting and we talk to them. And that's been something I've been putting a lot of energy into as well. However, what happened was with the special, since it was filmed in, in 2019, before the pandemic, I remember watching other specials that came out once lockdown started. And it just seemed like they'd been filmed on Mars because it was a bunch of people in an audience sitting next to each other. The comedian was telling jokes about like traffic or whatever. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. And that's why for my special that's coming out, Pandemic Warrior, what I did was I took at the very top, I took about three or four minutes and I did a whole section of stand-up from the closet I've been doing stand-up in to the camera going, look, guys, I'm filming this now during the lockdown. Times have changed. And I do some jokes about being locked down. And then I go, now let's go watch the thing I filmed before the lockdown. And at the very end of the special, I come back and I do some more jokes about being locked down. So it's been a... It's been a trippy experience, um, and and really, I mean, look, there's a million places now to perform, Instagram Live, YouTube, uh, you know, Zoom, you name it. There's a million places you could do it. The question becomes, as comedians, got to learn how to pivot and actually make a living doing it. That's the difficulty, because I've been doing a ton of free stuff, and, uh, and my wife's like, hey, who's paying the rent? So she's she's working now, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell you what, Maz. It's like obviously there's been a lot of tragedy and devastation from this thing, but it's been interesting to see uh, people get innovative here and find new ways to create content, get it out there. Like you said, Instagram Live. There's all different types of ways now to communicate and get your message across. Um, and, and along your journey here, I know obviously the road to doing the stand-up comedy can be a difficult journey. Along this journey that you've had, about how old were you when you first became a father and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? So my first kid, Dara, was born in 2008. So that would mean that at that point I was 36 years old. I was 36 years old. Um, and I started stand-up in 1998. So really the first 10 years of my stand-up probably leaned a lot more into political, social issues, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm also Iranian American. So I talk a lot about my immigrant experience and being born in Iran, growing up in America. So there was a lot of stuff there. Once he was born in 2008, my first solo special is called Brown and Friendly. And there's a lot of material there about my kids, because whether you like it or not, as a standup, they provide you with a lot of material. I mean, I still remember to this day, like one of the first things I remember was like when my son was born, he was a little tiny little baby and, and, and we were trying to get him to breastfeed with my wife. And I, you know, not having experienced this before, I thought, oh, babies just cling on right to the nipple and they start sucking. Well, it was a lot of like the kid just like missing the nipple and iron, iron, iron. And I'm like, you know, going, oh, my God, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, what's going on? The kid can't get the nipple. And then, and then that turned into some joke about, like, you know, me cheering him on or, like, being skeptical about his manliness or whatever it is. But um, it, it, they provide you with material. I mean, like, one of my uh, – one of the lines – a lot of my jokes come from my life, so they're not set up punch. They're stories, and they take a while to get to. But there's some jokes that have lines. You know, there's some lines that, that work. And one of the lines that I've been able to say that basically encapsulates my life, I go, when I was a kid, 
I used to have to play with the kids of my parents' friends. Now I have to play with the parents of my kids' friends. The world has changed. You know, they run the <laughs> yeah. world now, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, and when it comes to breastfeeding, I remember with my oldest, I didn't know any better. My, my wife was sleeping and the kid needed to eat. I, I, I tried to like put him on the breast myself while she was sleeping and it didn't work out at all, you know? So yeah, uh, we go yeah. through all. Now, obviously you mentioned there, Iranian-American. I know you talk about that a lot during your stand-up. Uh, one thing I, I talk about on this podcast a lot is the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country. We got way too many kids are growing up without a father or father figure in their life. Um, what what are the differences that you see from the um, Iranian family as a, compared to the American family? And is that is that an issue in the um, in Iran? Is there an issue with fatherless uh, families? You know, I don't know currently what's going on in Iran when it comes to that. I know that Iran is, you know, they have an oppressive government. The people of Iran are amazing and they're and they're just some of the best people. You know, Anthony Bourdain did a parts unknown in Iran. And one of the things I loved was he said, he goes, in all my travels, I never thought that the Iranians would be the most hospitable people. And they really are. Iranians are a good culture, great people. Um, but because of the oppressive government, there's a big addiction rate going on right now. There's a lot of, uh, you know, because of the because of the uh, um, sanctions, American sanctions on Iran, it's a lot of the people are suffering. The government is able to get by, but the people are suffering. So I'm not sure what that's led to in terms of families staying together. I do know that traditionally speaking, I think Iranian families are probably similar to similar to like Italian, the old school Italian families. It's like you stick together, you stay together and you take care of each other. And so the way it was, was, you know, especially with my father, my father w reminds me of like a Don Corleone type. He was the oldest brother of his family. He, he took care of all of his siblings. And then he put that on my shoulders too. My, uh, I was the oldest son of the family. And he would always say, I remember being a kid, it'd be like, you know, I'd be like 10 years old. I'm going to go play with my friends. He'd like, take your brothers, you know? And I was like, I don't want to take my, you know, little, little munchkin brothers with me. He's like, you'd have to take your, and he'd like, give me like 20 bucks, buy them candy or whatever. So really the culture was a lot of be there, stay there, be there with your family. Now that doesn't mean by the way, that the, that the families were happy all the time. Because the truth is, I think a lot of them stayed at the detriment to, you know, being open and honest and going, you know what, this marriage isn't working out. I should leave the marriage, but be there with the family. You know, that's probably the healthiest thing to do. Um, but again, I, I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of, um, you know, obviously kids need a father and a mother, um, you know, or they need both parents there. And, you know, I... I I think it falls upon the individual, you know, I've always said like, the, you know, the way we, there's a, you know, you got to get a, you got to go through a, a driving test to get a driver's license. You know, there should be some system to try and find out if people are qualified to have kids. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be financially, you know, wealthy to have kids, but it just, it does need to be, you, you have to have a certain level of uh, um, responsibility to be able to say, yes, I'm ready to be here for this kid you know, for as long as I need to be here, because you're right, kids need their, their, their parents, um, that helps with the guidance that helps with the confidence that helps with the love. That's the number one thing I've seen is I've tried with my, with my, uh, kids to just instill love and let them know they're loved. Cause I've also had, uh, family members who've had, uh, addiction issues and all that stuff. And I think a lot of it, uh, it comes from, whatever happens in your childhood and the lack of security that you feel. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think as a culture, Iranians overall probably put more emphasis on family, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a healthy environment either. Right. Yeah. Well said. And what, what about, um, as far as discipline goes, what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Hey everybody, McConaughey here. Check this out. Now, I've been in this life for 50 years. I've been keeping diaries of the clues to life's riddles for the last 35. Recently, I worked up the courage to sit down with those diaries. So I took a one-way ticket to the desert and 52 days later came out of there with this book. This is a love letter to life, but it's also a guide to finding a state of satisfaction and success that I call catching green lights something we can all do as well as realize that the yellow and the red lights in our life eventually turn green this is green lights tap the link in the description of today's podcast episode to pick up your copy of green lights and don't miss my interview with matthew mcconaughey on episode 437 of first class fatherhood Yeah, well said. And what, what about um, as far as discipline goes? What type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? I smack him around all the time. It's uh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> it was. It's very different. Well, first of all, my mom used to hit us, which, by the way, it's funny because my mom now is like the most just calm person in the world. My, my grandkids don't even believe it. I'm like, she used to hit me. She used to pull my ear. She used to hit me with hangers. Like she would chase us. That we feared her. You know, it was it was that was what it was. And back then, it was accepted. It was part of it. You know, my dad never hit us. My dad, again, he was a larger than life character, and he he had a really deep voice. So, the few times when he would raise his voice is when we would just you know I I I've, I had cried when I was a kid when he would just my full name is Maziar and he'd be like Maziar and I'd be like oh and I just start crying and I was in trouble. <laughs> So he never hit us. Um, she did hit us. She would give us, she gave me silent treatment sometimes. I mean, my mom was, it was a different time, you know. And now it's interesting because I, I, I'll get upset at them. Some, first of all, never hit the kids. I've never hit the kids. I, I don't think I ever would. Um, you know, it would have to be an extreme situation. Like I would have to walk in on my son beating my daughter up and I'd have to grab him and throw him or something. You know what I'm saying? Like that would never I could never imagine that. But um, I I try to, even when I get angry at them, because let's face it, sometimes you get angry because your mood is off, right? I'm not a morning person. There's been times I've woken up in the morning, you know, we got to go to tennis lessons and, you know, their socks are on that side of the room. Their shoes are over here. They're picking their nose. I'm rushing out of that house that, you know, I'm like, what are you guys doing? You know, and then I... <laughs> I try to always turn that into, and I'm sure they get sick of it. I try to turn it into like, I take a beat and then I try to calm down and I turn it into a lesson of sorts. I go, guys, listen, I love you, but, and I always lead with the love, but you guys got to realize, you know, you're now 12 and 10 and you, you, you should be responsible and ready to go. And I just kind of do that. So the discipline comes from that. And then there's also, listen, end of the day, there is an old school mentality in my head. So if my, if one, any of my kids ever, disrespected my wife or myself to the point of like serious disrespect. I've had no problem telling them. I said, listen, I, I will, I will open this door, take your clothes. You can go figure it out. And I will kick you out of the house. I don't know if you remember, there was a movie called, um, I think it was, I like it like that. 
And uh, there's a scene where the father, I think they're Puerto Rican or Dominican or something. They're in New York. and They're Latino. The father and the mother are fighting. And they're arguing. And the dad is, you know, it gets pretty heated. And the, and the poor boy, the boy can't be more than like 10 or something. He comes to the defense of his mother and he's like, you shouldn't talk to her like that, whatever. And then the dad goes, oh, really? You, you want to get into this? And he goes, all right. Whose house is this? And the kid's like, yours. And he's like, all right. Whose clothes are those? He's like, mine. He goes, well, who paid for them? He goes, you did. He goes, all right, give me those back. And he starts, he basically makes the kid undress. Then he opens the door in this like apartment air building and he puts the kid outside the door and closes the door. <laughs> and it's heartbreaking. But the lesson is learned because he just waits a few beats. Then he opens the door. He goes, you ready to come back? And the kid's like, yeah. And he comes back in. Not to say that that's something that I would advocate, but I'm saying if my son or daughter ever got to the point of disrespect where I was so disappointed, I would have no trouble telling them, guys, that's unacceptable in our family. You know, like just things like if I see any kind of cruelty, I really want them to know that they're good kids regardless. But for example, with the little puppy, little dog we have, they'll laugh and they'll be like, oh my God, look, I put a blanket over her head and she's going the wrong way. And I, and I have to take them aside and go, guys, that's funny to you, but it's cruel to this poor little dog that doesn't know where she's going. Imagine if someone put a hood over you, how would you feel? And I try to really instill empathy in them. And, and, and then if they do it again and again, like if I see a repeat, then I just take, especially with my son, he's 12 now, I've taken him aside and been like, hey man, no more. One more of these and you're out. I'll take your computer. I'll take your, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't mind going to that level. I haven't had to, but I, I would. Yeah, I, I face a lot of similar things. Like, like I said, my, my oldest is 14. My, my youngest son is 10. So they're, they're at that stage right now where they're on two different wavelengths. And they're like, they're really going at it at certain points, uh, at certain times. It's hard to try to pick my, my place to get in there and say, hey, guys, that's enough. Treat each other the way you want to be treated. And it's, but they're, they're going through it. And I'd rather them work it out without me having to be involved as much. So uh, I, I think that benefits them as well, too. Because I think right now in our society, too, um, we do too many things for the kids. Like as far as when I was a kid, we played uh, street ball a lot where we picked the teams, we made the rules, we settled the fights. There were no referees, coaches, parents. And now our kids really don't do anything without us watching them at every step. So I think they kind of miss out on a little bit of those um, problem solving skills in a way. You know, you're absolutely right. There's a book called The Price of Privilege. And The Price of Privilege is a psychologist in Marin County, Northern California, and she says, I lived in a place where you would think, oh, these kids all have, they have everything they need. So there, there shouldn't be any major problems. But she said it was the, it was the reverse. There was a lot of problems. And she said a lot of problems weren't, weren't recognized. So it was too late for them to get therapy and help and et cetera, et cetera. And so you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't know if it was in that book or what book it was, but, but there was, I have read before these things of like, you know, if your kid is whatever, five years old and there's an issue at school call the mom of the other kid and talk to them and all that. But if there's issues at 10 or 12 or whatever, you're absolutely right. I, I'm all for saying, guys, go advocate for yourself. Go deal with it yourself. And and uh, they learn. They have to learn. Otherwise, you know, they're going to be uh, handicapped in life. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like the great movies that we see are the great stories and the guy that just never faced any adversity and just, hey, this was everything I had to do and it was all perfect for me. Like the stories are the guys that are screwed up, have the problems, overcome, and then make something out of it. So uh, I think we kind of do a disservice. I mean, we're so much, especially they have so much at their fingertips now, 
Oh, we don't even have to work for the information even. You know, there was also a great TED Talk. If you if you go to TED Talks and you put in grit, there was a lady who's a professor, I think, and she did she she was saying that people come to her a lot and they say, What how will I know if my kid's gonna be successful? Is it the grades? Is it this? Is it that? She goes, It's not the valedictorian, it's not the person who's you know, writes the best essay, et cetera. She goes, It's grit. And she says, kids that learn to fail and come back. You know, that's the most important thing, failing it, because we're going to fail in life. Life isn't perfect, you know, and, and if you don't teach that to your kids early on and also teach them to get back in that, you know, hey, you lost a tennis match, get back in the court, play the next game or go work harder. You know, I've had that discussion with my with my own son. I mean, he's a good athlete, but he was playing on a soccer team and they were a good team. But then they would play another team like this Latino team showed up and just kicked their asses. And I said, listen that level is out there because those kids are playing six, seven days a week. And I said, so you have a choice. You can either, you know, work harder and try and beat those kids. Or if you're fine with, you know, not winning, which is fine too, then just go out and and play your game. Um, But, but know that in life, you're going to run into this no matter what. And I, I, I use myself as an example a lot too, with, with standup, you know, I've done, 20 years of stand-up and anytime anybody contacts me and they go, I want to be a stand-up comedian, what should I do? I say, you got to get on stage and write as much as you can because we as comedians get on stage five, 10 times a week uh, when it's not pandemic and that's how you get better and better. And even when you're great, you're going to go to a show and someone's going to blow you away be like, holy moly, who's this person? So, you know, you got to keep working. Yeah, and speaking of keep working, I know you got the special coming up that's dropping soon. What else, what other kind of goals or plans do you have? We're right in the beginning of the year. What kind of goals or plans do you have for yourself here for the year? Well, my goal, one of my goals is to take my podcast. Like I said, it's called Back to School with Maz Jobrani. It's on YouTube. It's on uh, iTunes, Spotify. I want to I want to uh, increase that as a you know get people to come and and, and subscribe and listen and because I really think. It's a good product because because one thing you know you you you're doing a podcast and you realize there's so many different interesting stories out there, and so on my show I've had people like um, I had Michael Cohen who was who was Trump's fixer he was on there I had a guy named Frank Figluzzi who was a former um, uh, FBI guy who talked to us about the the threat of uh, white supremacy extremists before this all happened like in the fall of last year. I had a guy who helped land the rover on Mars. I had a lady who's a cave diver. She goes underneath glaciers and discovers different uh, uh, organisms. I mean, you go, whoa, who are these people? Just this, just recently I had a, a buddy of mine, Sammy Obeyed. He's a stand-up comedian. Listen, this, this is the other thing. Under the pandemic, you have no idea. Like you have buddies and you'll touch base on, you know, social media. Hey, bud, you know, miss you. Talk soon. Well, Sammy puts out a blog about the 2020 that he had, and he tells it in the blog. And I said, you got to come tell the story on my show. But he early on, he thinks he got COVID. Then he started like his body started falling apart. He's perfectly healthy. He's like in his 30s. And and he went to this doctor and the doctor was uh, he found the doctor on Google. She had one star and she told him that he has uh, MS and might actually die. And then he finds out later on that his father's cheating on his mother. I mean, the story's crazy. Wow. And as I as he was telling me, I go, dude, this is a movie. So I was like, come on my podcast, talk about it. Um, so anyway, that's really one of the goals is to grow the podcast. Um, and then the other goal is, you know, the longer term goal is to 
find a show of some sort. I'd, I'd really love to get a chance to to kind of star in my own show on on television, um, and that's been a goal of mine for a while. So uh, if it happens, you can send me that clip, and I can play it for my kids. I say, put it in the universe and it happens. And if it doesn't happen, then just keep the clip to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to definitely drop the link to your podcast in the description of today's podcast episode uh, so my listeners can tap it and get over there and check it out. And the last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Listen, man, I will, I'll give you a few pieces of advice. Number one piece of advice, it moves fast. So early on, it's going to feel like you're overwhelmed. But don't worry, that period goes away, you know. And it's a great period, by the way. There's a lot of great stuff, but you're not going to get a lot of sleep. So what I'm telling you is these, all these periods pass fast. So even though you're in it, just don't worry about it. And, and while you're in that early period, make sure if you have the possibility Find someone that will relieve you and your wife so you guys can go have a date night, have a little bit of sanity, all right? So those are the two big pieces of advice. The other one I don't even have to tell you, but I'm sure people are doing it. Film, picture, just do as much documentation as you can because um, I, one of my favorite things now is to go look at old old videos and, and, and I just melt. And last but not least, be involved, man. Be involved. Like I go skiing with them. I play tennis with them. I tried surfing with them and hurt my back. Be involved because it's, uh, you know, you're never going to have these puppies again, man. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Maz Jabani, your first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, Alec. I appreciate you having me. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Maz Jabrani for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you lock it into my Instagram account at Alec underscore Lace to find out all the upcoming guests that will be coming your way. I got some bangers coming soon. Make sure you stream Maz Jabrani's new comedy special, Pandemic Warrior, right now on Peacock TV. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Uh, I'm Alec Lace. This is First Class Fatherhood. Thank you guys for listening. And please remember, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.